You're listening to the Hammersley Brothers Podcast. If you'd like to get started with three of our best tools, see the link in the show notes. They're free and video training is included. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week we're talking about finding that one thing to focus on on your e-commerce site to move the needle. With the focus, you can find better results rather than having a scattergun approach and trying to do everything. So let's get started. Hello, Mark. I'm well. Awesome. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm good. Um, we, uh, we're going to try and record it again and hopefully not uh, get too distracted by uh, our videos. Um, we haven't, I, I didn't actually send the email uh, version of the, the podcast out yet because so, I'm just experimenting with it a little bit. But um, it, it's, uh, it's all good. I, it's, it's very hot here. It was 29 degrees in the house yesterday and uh, I'm not a man normally to wear shorts, but I don't have a choice. I have to wear shorts. It's just, there's just no possible way I could possibly wear trousers. I'm sure it's as sunny as nice and hot where you are as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's this, yeah, minus, minus eight, I think it was this week, last week. Nice, nice. Lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. Although it was, you know, and it snowed a bit, which is exciting. A little bit of snow. And it was exciting. It was, but it wasn't quite exciting enough to, you know, take a day off school. Did you go to Boggan? Was, was there enough to go? Like actually, no. There was enough for it to be inconvenience in terms of traffic, but not the excitement that we could take a day off school. As obviously, I remember our childhood. We we used to go. Yeah, we had a, had a special sledging. special sledge. Right? It was super fast. Sledging, yeah. sledging. Mm. We used to go sledging. We did. The, we used um, to leave trails of rust in the in the snow because it was metal. Do you remember? The UK, when it snows, it seems to go to part. I mean, it must be like lots of countries like Canada, where it will snow all the time. People just must bat, bat an eyelid because it obviously yeah. things still have to happen. But the UK goes, oh, look, what snow. Let's have everything, let's shut everything down. I was well, they said like it's not going to the school, wasn't it? Well, we used to say, well, from an econ perspective, it's, it's not actually the weather that affects, it's the changing of weather. So if it's mm. extreme, so if it all of a sudden, it's beautiful sunshine and then extreme becomes a storm or it's, you know, extremely cold or extremely hot. It's the, it's the changes of extreme that tend to affect the e-com, certainly in England anyway, because it's, the weather's pretty Also rubbish the shock, the shock the of it is, is what, what changes it. Like if they expect it to be snowy for a while, then it'll be, it'll be yeah. the, uh, the same, but the sales will go down. Like if you have unexpected rain or unexpected snow or unexpected sun, it's like it, it, that seems to change patterns and you'll have either a really good day or a really bad day, depending on whether or not you, you, you tie into yeah. it. Um, but it, it, it once it's like you, you can't make a rule. Where you say, oh, every time it's really heavily raining, we won't have bad weather. But because if, if it's like the fifth day of heavy rain, things get back to normal. People just go, well, OK, mm. it's heavy raining. Let's just get back to normal. Yeah, um, that's true. So let me introduce the podcast Shock. topic today because we wanted to talk yeah. about um, finding the lever. So finding the lever to pull at the moment. And we're a big fan of um, finding the bottleneck in the business to growth and understanding how to scale using that and keeping it very simple. And at any one time, really saying at the moment, it's this. And 
I don't really know whether or not this is, comes directly from my work. Uh, I mean, I used to be a mechanical engineer. That's what I did at university. And we, we learned from a guy called um, Eli Goldratt, who wrote the book The Goal, which is a fantastic book if you've never read it. And I read all his books. And recently his, his daughter, because he's fortunately passed away, his uh, daughter um, finished off one of his final books. And it's called, um, I think it's called The Flow. Something like that. It is. Oh yeah, goals. Well, you bought it for me. Yeah, bought it for everybody. You bought it it for me, and I, I actually really enjoyed it. It was, it was such an easy business book to read. I even read it to my children as a bedtime story. Well, they, they kind of like it's a business book written as a narrative, isn't it? Which makes it very easy to, 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 to read. And I think, um, he came up with the, the. Theory of constraints, and the theory of constraints is all about working out what the bottleneck is in the in the process, and um, working out what uh, what to work on next. And I think I brought that to e-commerce with uh, the KPIs because there's always one KPI that is limiting throughput. So, for example, you know, is it the fact that we can't buy enough traffic? If we can't buy enough traffic, why can't we? Which of the KPIs is limiting that? Or is it, you know, in case of some businesses? We might have really good ROAS, we might have a really good conversion rate, but we just can't literally ship any more products without getting too many, too much customer support. You know, like we just, we get swamped and we get bad reviews. So there's always like a fundamental bottleneck in the growth. And the reason we wanted mm-hmm. to talk about this today is because we've been working with quite a few people, actually quite big, quite decent size, the, the ones we've been working with the past couple of weeks. One was 10 million, I think one was, 15 million. I was talking to someone this morning who wants to get to 30 million. Um, and it's it, no matter how big you are, the theory of constraints still works. And so it's about this conversation is about, well, how do you find out the, the, the constraint within your own business? And I thought the, probably the best way to do it is to talk through some stories of the people we're talking to yeah. recently and say how we did it for them. And maybe people can work out how to do it for themselves. <clears throat> yeah. So well, that's true, to... isn't it? We, gen- we, gen- we yes, I'll put some context around it from my perspective. And the um, the sorry, I'm sitting on a leather chair and it's squeaking. If you can hear that, but possibly people didn't. It's all right. But uh, it's, yeah, it's just really, think people think fine. you're doing a large fart. You have to sit <laughs> sit on a chair, <laughs> um, and um, so the the. Co- the conversations I've been having repeatedly, particularly this time of year, and I think we touched on this at the earlier, you know, the, at the end of last year, is about is about really the numbers. Are we going to hit the numbers this year? What we're targeting, what we're forecasting, and um, whether we're going to hit it, and um, how realistic is it? And you know, what what you know, what levers do we have to pull in order to get that target right? And um, the narrative goes a bit like this. So this is, the, this is my kind of flow into understanding what the levers are in, in the business at this particular time, in, in an e-com business. I often ask, what's the overall target? And they might say, okay, we want to, we want to grow by, we want to double this year, or we want to grow by 50% or 20%, whatever it might be. And I'll say one little thing I should find very useful um, is if an econ business, I've said this many times, but I think it's quite useful to know, if an econ business wants to double in a year, you have to add 30% to average order value, 30% to traffic, and 30% to conversion, and that doubles it. 
If you want to grow by 50%, it's 15% for each one of those three. That's quite a useful thing. And um, because you can then start to say, well, you know, we're, you know, we're not we're not going to get 15% from average order value conversion and traffic. You know, we're more likely to get possibly 20% from traffic and, you know, slightly less from conversion. But if you get if you get more or less from one, you have to make it up from another metric. So it's just a useful thing to, to say. And the other another question is, let's say we've looked at the, you know, the overall, you know, target. And let's say they want it, let's say they want it to, you know, grow by 40%. You know this year which is punchy you know let's say business this was this was true this was a business that was doing you know, about eight million and, and they you know they wanted to get you wanted to get to you know add another four turn on about 12 million and the first question to say is okay well what, what what's is there any room in the tank in terms of paid so always say there's only two types of econ businesses there's the ones that are not spending enough and there's ones that are spending too much um, and, he, and, and generally, that's the first question. So I would say, you know, are we hitting the minimum ROAS that we can go to? That's the first question. So real life example, Mark, and feel free to butt in here, but there's a real life example. There's a UK company that's doing about 14 million and they are absolutely at the point where they cannot spend any more on paid ads can't do that so the you know the the, the lowest rowers they can go to is like three and a half and they're at like yeah there's no wiggle room three. there's no wiggle room there's no there. wiggle room yeah there's nothing they can do now I, the, 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 so we're left with a, a few decisions to make to so fundamentally if they're they're on 14 million and they want to grow by 30%, you can, well, where's that growth going to come from? Because we can't get any more traffic, okay, within the current method. Like, we, we, we're, we're, we're maxing out the lowest row as possible. So what, what does that business do? And that business has two clear decisions to make, fundamentally. Number one, they can either increase conversion rate, which means their ROAS goes up, because they're getting more revenue from the same spend. And they can then pull the traffic lever back down. So that's, that's conversion rate that goes up. The second one is they can increase average order value. So if average order value goes up, then they can, they're getting more revenue from the same spend. So, that, so both of those is like an optimization play. Like we're trying to get conversion rate up, or average order value conversion rate up, which means our ROAS go, conversion rate goes up, ROAS goes up, we can pull the lever back down to get more traffic and we can start growing again. The second question, second option, is can we architect a change of maths to allow us to go to a lower ROAS? So let's say the Saturn at the moment, like a three point, need a, need a minimum of a 3.5 times ROAS. Can we change the maths to go for a lower ROAS? and grow again and there's only two ways you can do that it's either increasing margin or increasing lifetime lifetime customer value because essentially if you increase margin you know you you're able to go to a more aggressive ROAS that's now profitable same with lifetime customer value if you increase your margin or increase your lifetime customer value you're able to operate at a lower ROAS that's now profitable so you can pull the pull the traffic leave until you hit that ROAS and it's so they're the two sort of decisions you need to make 
And with each one of those, like if it's margin, you know, there's there's only one way, there's two ways of increasing margins, either reduce your costs or increase your prices. That's one way of doing it. If it's average order value, going back to the first one, yeah. average order value is either more expensive products or it's more items per order. Or sometimes yeah. with the people who've got a mix of margins, it's selling more of the higher margin products and yeah. less of the lower margin products. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's where that's it can true. get a bit more interesting. Yeah. yeah. But fundamentally, you've got that sort of really nice little flow. It's like, and the reason why I always start there, like, are you spending the right amount on your paid ads is because it's the fastest way to grow. So, you know, if you were sat on a business that, you know, the lowest ROAS you were comfortable when you, and when, when you say the lowest ROAS, you know, you factored in your profit margin and you've, you know, you've got, you yeah, kind of it's got a safety 20%. factor in there, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, got, it's already got the, we're buffer. not talking about get down to the point where you lose, you're just about to lose money. We're, we're, we're at a point where the business is making money where we we're happy yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I always ask that question because, you know, whilst you're faffing around, I use the word faffing around with your, your roadmaps and your conversion rates and your optimizations and your average order value and bringing in other products and your customer service and all your Clavio and email implementations and all your, whatever platforms you're using. Whilst you're doing all of that, which of course we know takes time, you should be maximizing the trap. The first question you'd be asking yourself if you had a physical store is what, when we're going to open, when we're going to open the store, should we open on a Saturday and a Sunday? Should we open at late night shopping on a Thursday till 10? Like, is it worth doing it? And that's the same with your paid ads. You're deciding when you want to open the shop. And, um, you know, and obviously that's instant. You know, that's an instant change to the growth of the business. That's mm. why I always say maximize that out. When, you, when you're hitting that point, you're hitting that ROAS, then obviously you then have some decisions to make. You know, and it's kind of a, like a, a, you know, a continual cycle of, of doing it. And so that, that's my kind of go-to flow, which I really like that flow. It helps, um, it helps me very quickly go into an econ business and decide exactly, you know, what's the big picture very quickly. Mm. You sort of follow that narrative. And I, you know, that's, I, I love it. Well, let's talk to. I love it. Let's talk to that, 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 that business example that we're talking about. So they were, they were, yeah. there was no wiggle room. They realized they, that the only way to grow is to increase their ROAS at the moment because they're, they're already at the, the level that they, they can't go below. In fact, I yeah. think that last year they went a, a bit below the ROAS and they didn't make, make any money and that was yeah. not good. So they need to increase yeah. the ROAS. So there's those two things. Do we increase the conversion rate or is the lowest hanging fruit the average order value? Average order value in that case is very much specifically um, the selling products that other people sell. There's, there's products that people uh, can price match against. And so therefore it's very difficult for people to uh, effectively, uh, for them to increase the price. Like they could try increasing price, but they know that, that they've got to be competitive for those products. So therefore it comes down to the lowest hanging fruit is going to be the conversion rate. And so therefore, you go, yeah. right, this is a conversion rate play. Where are people landing? Uh, and they're landing on the 70% the, the, the on the mobile page and 50% or 60% of those people are landing on the product page. So it's a mobile product page. Uh, let's, let's increase above the fold content and let's increase there. So that kind of comes down to that. Now, what 
is amazing to me is that you know for that business it becomes almost like they need to have one conversation all the time which is about what's the conversion rate has it convert has it come up this way and that's what we want to focus on once you got to that kpi you can do that so i'll give you an example someone has rocked up with me and i'm, I'm doing some coaching with them and and i think i think there's a call today or, or tomorrow and they're coming at me with uh, uh, a SWOT analysis. They want to go through their SWOT analysis. And I'm thinking, well, that, that's a complete waste of time, probably, yeah. because ultimately, where's the target, where they want to tick, where they, where they want to hit, what is the KPI we're working on, and how are we going to hit the target? A SWOT analysis is, I mean, it's a good tool, but it's a 100,000-foot view, and it's like, I don't know, have you ever, I mean, a SWOT analysis for me, yeah. have you ever come out with something massively insightful from a SWOT analysis? Yeah. Right. Well, here's, here's, I totally, I go, because I know exactly what you're talking about, because I had the same conversation mm. uh, with the same e-com brand, and, and we, we were going through the SWOT analysis, which, which, which we never, by the way, we, we never, never do. <laughs> We've never looked at SWOT analysis in our lives. That's not strictly true. We have, if we're... Well, I just um, find it bloody obvious. If it's we, like, what's our weakness? It, it, it's well, like, yes, well, but we can't do anything think, about it, so, so thank you very much. It's like... There's nothing... Yeah, there was nothing in the SWOT analysis that was actually going to move the needle. Mm. That, was the, that was the reality. There was nothing there that's actually going to make a difference to revenue. Yeah. Um, and, 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 but, you know, it was all, you know, great intentions and it was all professional and nicely well thought out and logical, but it actually wasn't going to make any difference. And the worst thing was, it was probably going to spend the next year trying to implement things in that SWOT analysis. Actually wasn't going to be Be honest, if you do a, if none of it you do do a SWOT analysis, mattered. once you know the KPI that you're fixing, and it's like you do a SWOT analysis on the conversion rate, that could help. Like, what's the strength of the conversion rate? What's the weakness mm. of the conversion rate? What's the opportunity of the conversion rate? From that context, that could be quite interesting because you go, well, we've got all these uh, authority quotes we're not using yeah. on the site. So that's a strength. And that's like, where are we weak? Oh, we're actually our returns policy is pretty bad. So we probably want to hide that or we, we don't want to mention that as strongly as other people. Yeah. You know, um, I have a little, I, I, I don't know whether I've said this before, possibly said it privately to you, but I have a little bee in my bonnet when, when you hear uh, people on LinkedIn or wherever talking about, you know, that the, you know, it's all about the details, it's all about the little things. It's all about getting everything right and being a perfectionist and making sure that, you know, you're obsessing over everything. Mm. And, you know, it's all, you know, those little, and I actually think that is absolute bullshit. That's a very, very dangerous, bad opposite, total opposite of actually the things that, that I've seen and the successfully e-commerce brands who have grown quickly and sustainably over a long period of time, that they, they, they haven't actually sweated the little things. They haven't been obsessed with those things. They've been obsessed with the things that matter. And they've understood which levers to pull and which ones are bothering, are bothering, or you know, is important to pull, and which ones are a waste of time. Mm. And they've just left them and not obsessed over the little things that don't matter. Because there is that, that there is that, isn't that philosophy that you know you've got to you've got to go through every single little thing, you've got to make everything matter, everything. And I think it's I think it's ridiculous. Mm. So that going back to that story, that example of that that business there you you hit me you hit the nail on the head essentially there was there was two things two things that we said first thing is like 
okay, which lever can we pull? We can't pull the reverse lever any harder. It just doesn't work. The, the thing we did say on that was we did say that if they can add an add-on product that is a very high margin product, and in this case they can, there is a product there, what difference would that make to the rower? So we said essentially they can take the margin from an average of 36%, which is pretty low, to an average of 46%, roughly, possibly not like dramatic, but that was a game changer because it, it, it meant that we could really open the taps and pull the traffic in because we can go down to a lower row ass. So that was, that was the, the first thing. Because um, when you're looking at the stats, you're like, well, at some point that margin of 35% is going to be a, a ceiling. That is going to hold them mm. back. So we knew that. Um, and the second thing is, where's the opportunity? And the opportunity for this one was the conversion rate. How did we know that? We knew the conversion rate was low because we had, there was more room in the tank because we broke it down to those, those two basic sats. Add to basket and basket to checkout. Now, this add to basket for this particular business was quite low. It was about 4.4%, something like that. And the other stat that was low was their basket to order stat, which is about 27%, something like that. So they're both quite low. And we knew that there was an opportunity to optimize those. And so, and like you said, well, where are they landing? Well, 50, it was actually 51% of people landing on the product page, of which 77% was on the mobile. So straight away, you know, okay, 77% of people are landing on the, on the mobile site. 51% of them are on um, a product page. Home page was 3%. Like category was about eight. The rest of them was like blog and cart. So it's overwhelmingly, you know, to, in order to improve the conversion rate, we've got to focus on the mobile product page and we've got to improve the add to basket. And by improving the add to basket, we'll improve the conversion rate. By improving the conversion rate, we'll, we'll increase the ROAS. So for the same spend, we're getting more return, which means we can pull the lever down and we can start growing again. So you can take that ROAS back down to that 3.5. So it's a good logical plan. Um, and I think it's just like within a very short space of time, you can get right to the nub and the heart of where you've got to spend the time. You know, what is the critical things that are going to move? And then, of course, you put that back to the roadmap and you say, OK, let's have a look at the roadmap, things we're doing in the next six months. Which things here are going to focus on improving the add to basket on the mobile product page because in this particular case that was where the opportunity was let's go through you look at it and go right there's nothing here on the roadmap that's going to hit that kpi right what the hell are we doing it's a waste of time so essentially there's there's, there's that logic that, that little mathematical elimination yeah to where to I spend your time biggest bang for your box. time you build the box where where the optimization needs to happen and then you brainstorm within that box you don't brainstorm and then build the box because you're working yeah. you're working too hard to have too many ideas. And like when you look at the roadmap and you go, well, it's actually a product page conversion rate at the moment. And you on your roadmap, you've got this uh, all-encompassing, you know, support ticket system implementation that you're going to put in. It's like that is not important at the moment as getting the product page conversion rate up because you can't you scale. Know, it's, it. it if you don't have that logical 
And obviously we've had to do this because we've been doing it for so many years and we've had to have the ability to get down to what's the actual new. If you don't do it, do you know what happens? Do you know what, do you know what that logical approach is replaced by? Scattergun randomness and everything trying also, to do everything it's who and listening to everybody on your door like you might you might it go is. to a, an e-commerce conference and someone's on the stage and he's just saying well i transformed my business by uh doing a post-purchase upsell and you might think oh that that must be what it's for me and it's like well if someone buys your product in a certain way uh and they think they're done when they they bought it then the post-purchase upsell is not going to work like there's, there's a guy we're working with in australia he's selling lots of uh, covers for different sites of stuff and there's no point on his basket page or post basket say, saying, oh, you've bought a car cover. Why don't you buy a another car cover? It's like they're done. In their mind, they've come on for a car cover mm. and they're buying car covers. No, there's no value tree there, which you say, well, if you buy three car covers, you're going to get this. It's just not how people buy. You know, in his case, you know, it comes down to his uh, his KPI is, is, is upselling based around the main product. So if he's got... A car cover is like, what's the super size yeah. mean for the car cover? It's like get a special uh, coating for it, get an extended warranty, get, you know, extra uh, double stitching on it or something like that to kind of like say, well, what's the luxury version of the product? Because in people's mind, they go, yes, I bought the boat cover. I know it's going to fit my, my boat because the, the anxieties have been dealt with. But uh, I really like my boat and it's my pride and joy. So why don't I make it like go for the king option you know it's kind of like with the embroidery and the the special yeah. stitching and the the gold the gold lace or whatever it is you know, that's kind of where it has to happen because mm. also for that business you can't optimize the lifetime customer value because they don't come back you've bought a you know the person you buy a yeah. boat cover from you're not going to go well, you know I, you know what every month i'm going to need a new boat cover you know what i'd say actually the, the lifetime customer value really has to happen within that first purchase. Now, that's a weird thing to mm. say, but the chances of doing an upsell um, after is, is next to none. You know, so actually, you have to think about you know, getting the most revenue you can out of that initial Absolutely. sale. Because that's the, that's the biggest opportunity, because that's, the, the, you know, that's where the buyers are in that hot yeah. mode. That's very small. You're going to take mm. it as it is. Let's take another example. Let's take, so somebody was selling, who's selling, um, like, like, ti like tiles and flooring yeah. and things like yeah. that. It's done quite a few of those now. We've you know, let's take somebody like companies, quite a few yeah. companies, you know, typically you can get quite, quite a lot of revenue on tiling companies fairly well, quickly. I mean, like there's, there's a couple doing 20 million yeah. there, and there's, um, um, there was that guy yeah. who started out. Yeah, there is. He went from nothing to he did a couple of million in a couple in a year or so. It was pretty impressive. Because I'll say, there's 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 been a couple recently as well that, that essentially, have, you know, they're spending quite big on Google and Meta. Um, and I'd say the, the first thing that they can do as well as you know, you, let's say you're spending the right amount. You got your ROAS. You're hitting your minimum ROAS. You're like, what do we do? Well, what, what, what I would say to that is you can look inside your ad budget. So if it's Google or it's Meta, you can look inside that campaign. You can make some decisions about whether or not, you know, this half of your ads are getting you know, a, a better ROAS and half of your ads are not getting a great ROAS. And obviously it won't be that clear cut, but I'm saying there will be a fluctuation of return on ad spend within your actual ad groups itself. So, you know, within Google, 
you know, you'll have some winners and you'll have some losers. So that you know that that, that is another avenue to look at, isn't it? You know, we're not saying you can't optimize the performance of your no. And it, I, like I'm doing account. at the moment, I'm, I'm probably after this conversation, I'm actually about to go and cull some products in a in a big advertiser because. Um, they're just not like the whole category is not working and I'd rather be spending on a different category. So there, there are things you can do. Yeah. The only thing you've got to, got to be careful of doing is that let's say those products, let's say it's, um, let's say it's a women's clothing manu- uh, 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 company um, uh, spending around 200 K a month on Google and they've got women's coats, uh, which aren't performing. Right. So I'm going to cull all the women's coats that haven't spent, that they've spent more than uh, a certain amount and I've got a ROAS under a certain amount. And the reason I'm doing that is because I can see that last year I spent about 2K on coats and this year I've already spent in January 8K and I've got a really bad ROAS. Now, the only thing you've got to be careful with that Mm. is that when coats pick up again, you put them back in because it's all very well removing things. And you do that in Google Ads a lot of the time. Like you might remove a keyword because the account's doing bad, but then like, when it comes good again, you've got to remember to go and add it back in. So like if you're on doing search campaigns and you go, uh, you know, like women's silk flowers, for example, is one of, is a really good keyword and you go, it just dies. doesn't necessarily mean you don't want to bring that back. And I think that that's quite hard to remember to do because if you've added it to your negative list, how often do you go and look at those mm. and bring those back? So, um, but I think that's taken us off topic from the, the kind yeah, of the, the ROAS within the, the, the how lever. slightly? Well, it's because I start because I said because uh, I said Google Ads, and you just went. Oh, I know yes. about Google Ads. The chance to show, it has to show my intelligence and experience. I can't. This can't resist. Yeah. So I mean, in, in terms of them, you went for it. In terms of them, they, they're doing a lot of tiles. Um, you know, what would you say their biggest? Well, then. then well, okay. There was two, the two, two things for that. Two things for that, really. It, you know, when I said before, look, there's two decisions you can make. You can either go and change the row. You can either try and go to a more aggressive row by increasing your margin or lifting customer value. And the other one is you increase your conversion rate, your average order value, which naturally increases your row. You can do both. You know, it isn't. You have to do one or the other, and it, it, you know, it's not a bad strategy to try and do both. That particular uh, example, they're doing about fifteen million, something like that. They're, you know, the, the right strategy is to do both, and and they're doing, they're improving the conversion rate by by looking at email, and really getting better at doing email, and that's part of the conversion rate. So capturing a lot more email and doing a lot more work around behavioural based doing the offer architecture. That's definitely comes into the conversion conversation and in terms of the other the other side of it is actually looking at what products are just killing the ROAS and just sucking away budget and it's and really it's a case of what products do we want to eliminate and not recruit on mm-hmm. so actually we don't want to recruit on these these are a waste of time like you know we want to pull them out of the feed completely so this you know but but within within all of them again it is that sort of you know logical finding the lever and them. I mean, just let me add the bit, bit to them. Generally, what I've been doing for them yeah. is, is I've actually been helping them find a leading indicator. And a leading indicator is important for those businesses where you do a lot of samples. So you have a sample, give a sample, sample goes off, and then 
between 15 and 45 days they might come back and buy or not come back and buy so the difficulty is is leaning into the traffic not knowing whether those sample orders are going to come back so i've been working with them to work out yeah like like of those sample orders they're probably going to come in in a curve so like 80 percent of the sample orders if they're going to convert probably happen by day 25 or let, let, let's say for 25 and therefore if 10% of the sample orders convert on by day five, then you should have a decent leading indicator by day five to understand whether or not those samples are actually going to convert or not. So what we're looking for in their case is, so their, their KPI that we were actually working on is actually a, a building a methodology, a system methodology in order so they can scale, so they can understand when to scale. Because what happened last time when they scaled is they scaled and the sample conversion rate went down and they got themselves into trouble because they were spending and the samples weren't converting. So it, it, in terms of... Well, essentially, they, they, they scaled, but at the, at the uh, cost of, of profit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was basically... So they were sending out Because basically they were increasing the ad spend and it actually... Going out, but they weren't, they, yeah. were, they, they weren't converting. But by the time yeah. they figured that out, it was too late because they'd already spent the money. So yeah. in their case... But I'd say... Yeah. It's a, to get, just say, obviously it's quite unique to have a sample, but in most e-commerce businesses, one of the leading indicators, if your length of time to buy is quite long, one of the leading indicators can be how many email addresses mm. we're capturing. You know, that, 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 you know, that's sort of simplistic way. And you have to think about how many emails you're requiring, yeah. you know, as a result of your paid activity. And then if, you, if you're having a sale period, you know, you're then recruiting new email address, which you can then put into your prospective sale. And then you, yes, can like, you, you can build a you know, leading indicator on, on an email as well. Button. You can say, look, we've got this many, this many yeah. sales come in. We've got this many emails captured. Therefore, we believe when we do the, the yeah. sale, we will get this many. And yeah. But do you know what? Can I just say one thing? Do you know what we're saying? Ultimately, what this all unfortunately or fortunately revolves around all the decisions and everything we've we've said comes down to one reason only how can we scale our mm. paid ads profitably if and so if you think the real question of scaling an e-commerce business and if it is is to answer that how can we profitably increase our ad spend but because if you answer yeah. just that question, you're figuring out conversion rate, margin, lifetime customer value, average order value. I'd like to widen that. You I'd know, like to widen you, that to say, how can we buy customers profitably? Because like sometimes people might work with influencers or sometimes yeah. people might work. Yeah. And if you think about a, a physical store, yeah. a physical store is basically like, they know if they had a, a, a shop on the busiest street, then they're going to get more customers. But to get on the busy street, they have to have a higher rent. And so therefore it's like, well, how can mm. we afford that rent? Yeah. And, you know, so like we'd like to have yeah. a shop on, on Oxford Street in London, but we can't at the moment because we can't afford that rent yeah. because our per foot uh, revenue per, per visitor in the shop is too low. Yeah. So what would the maths have to be in order for us to afford that rent? Yeah. What would our average order have to be? What would our conversion rate have to yeah. be? Exactly how many customers would we need to come in the shop? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's an obvious. And what I find fascinating when you put it in that context, it's a good. That's a good and nice analogy. That I think I'll steal. I that find fascinating, and I, I see this with my. I've got sixteen year old son Ben, and every time I go through a shop that's closed, um, I'll notice. I'll ask him, well, what shop was in there? Why did it? Why do you think that closed? What shop would you put in there instead? Oh, you mean it yeah, shut, shut down? down. Shop shut always, down. There seems yeah. to be like on certain. Like places on High Street or, or on, on the street in, in St. Helier's where I live or, or in, in Mission Bay, there's always certain shops that don't seem to work, there's certain positions of shops that don't seem to work or mm. they seem to close down or they seem to uh, turn over very quickly. And I, I, what I'm always interested in is like, well, why didn't it work? Why did that shop not survive there? Why did people think that it was going to survive there? And what fascinates me is that often you know, like there's a there's a position in Mission Bay, for example, that for years was um, was a fast food place, and, and fast food places kept going into the same place and failing, and going in the same place and failing. And I was like, why do they think they can make that work as a fast food place, and it keeps failing? Now it's just now it's a real estate agent because they don't necessarily need to 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 make the money from people walking past, and that's interesting. And and I think that's the same with e-commerce. It's like there's the equivalent of the Oxford Street. There's the equivalent of Times Square mm. in e-commerce. And that's where the big money is mm. in terms of Google. Google's got these huge keywords that for your industry, no matter what it is, there'll be these top these top generic keywords. Someone can make those work. And because that's how it works. Like Google yeah. has to sell them to somebody who can afford them. It, like if, if Times Square in New York, um, like if, if every business lost money, they would leave. And so therefore the rent has to go down to the level where someone can make it work because otherwise it's not a business. No one's yeah. going to have it as a lost leader forever. And so it's interesting to think about e-commerce in the same way is that you've got each e-commerce market has got its Times Square and who's there, who's making it work, how mm. they making it work. And are you that, are you that person? Because really that's, that's the limit of how big you can get. You know, you can only go as, 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 as big as the traffic. And um, ultimately, mm. if you're already buying all the traffic, let's say you are that big number one in Times Square with all the traffic, the only thing you can do is increase the amount of revenue you're getting out of the people that are already coming. You're not going to be able to go and buy more people. You can't force Times Square to fill with more people. You know, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. And so it comes down to that, that lowest hanging fruit, the KPI that you're working on, based around the business model that you're in. Yeah. I like that. It's good. You know, there's always, you know, there's, there is, a, yeah, there's a New York Times Square in, in e-commerce and actually in every industry mm. who's dominating that, you know, what are their maths? Understanding that. Yeah. Isn't it? I think, I, I think there is a, I mean, I had a conversation today with a, with a business that was talking about, um, well, well, they were talking about SEO, you know, and they were, they'd been told by somebody that they could get to the first um, page. turn off the page. Get to the first page of Google. Get, 20 days. Yeah, get to the first page. I mean, it's like, you know, you can't, I know, and obviously you kind of think these, these are the sort of things people got sucked into 20 years ago, but it seems to still be, still be happening. But it's like, you know, this particular business has actually got great margin, great margin, great lifetime customer value, but, but for some reason has not gone down the road of paid advertising because I don't think they understand the maths, mm. you know, that, you know, what are, what are the mechanics of, 
you know, for every pound I spend or every dollar I put in the machine, I need, you, hear, you know, next dollars out. You, you know, people say, well, I'll do paid. And then when my SEO comes, I'll stop paid and I'll, I'll run SEO. And it's like, it's not going to happen. I don't think it's ever happened. No. I think they are separate beasts. No. They are separate channels. There are certain people that click on ads and there are certain people that click on SEO. It's they are they are different people. Like there are, there are some people who you say to, I never click on ads, and they go underneath and they look for the things. And there's some people who just click through the top. There are different markets. And yes, I think you know it does yeah. come down to like if you're bidding on the brand and no one's bidding on your brand and should you be there. But having said that, we just ran. Um, this was for a handbag retailer, and she stopped bidding on her brand. Wow. And her new customer sales died completely, even though we can see that. Pretty much, because we, we, you know, you, in Pmax campaigns, you can you can exclude the brand and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think what happened was, even though people can just find her website, all the secondhand products that, are, that people are selling on eBay and bags that have a similar name, even though it's not hers, and maybe some of her resellers, they're there, and people are getting just getting lost and going down a rabbit hole. And so you've got to be very careful when you don't you know, bid on brand, um, that it doesn't affect mm. your numbers. And I, and I think for her, we were just yeah. lucky that we could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another, another you know, down little Google shopping yeah, rabbit sorry. hole that you've just yeah, managed to weave in there. Trying to, like, um, yeah. but anyway, yeah, finding the lever within the lever is all about finding the focus that you're going to be working on for that quarter. I think each quarter should have a main focus. And then yeah. you should reevaluate yeah. where you what, what what you're doing, and everything. All the conversations should be around that, and it should be brought back to the target sheet, which is why yeah. I'm trying so hard to get all the target sheets set up for everybody on all the programs, so we've got something accurate that we can we can look back at. Because if you have that right in front of you, it brings you it brings your attention back to the number. It says this is what we wanted to do. Yeah. These are the figures we wanted to hit. Why aren't we hitting them? Or why did we hit them? Like, what's going on? And if, you, if you're hitting them too easily, yeah. And what, yeah. why aren't we pushing harder? Like, what's going on? It's so, it's so unbelievably tempting to drift around and obsess with the next shiny thing. Mm. It's so unbelievably tempting to do that. That, that, that you know, and it's not just tempting it's like 95 percent likely that that's going to happen you're going to start to drift around you're going to start to look at every other thing that's going on in your e-commerce business you become obsessed with it with possibly equal weight um so you have you have to be incredibly disciplined and structured to not go down that path because most people do i think another thing but another thing we all it's, do in business. it's not where the growth another is thing we all do in business is something will work really well You'll be really excited about it, and then you'll stop doing it. And you go, and some you'll pay an expensive consultant to come in, and they go, "Why aren't you doing this?" And you go, "Well, we used to do that." And then the consultant will go, "Well, does it work?" And they went, "Yeah, it worked really well." And they'll go, "Why don't you do it?" And they go, "Because it wasn't. It's not an exciting, new, shiny thing anymore." So we stopped doing it. But it actually made a difference. No. Do you know why they stopped? Do you know why no. they stopped? Because Jane in customer service said that one customer complained. Mm. So they stopped it. Mm. That's obviously made up. 
but that's sometimes well, why. Was, do, you, I mean, do you remember that uh, hardware company we worked with like 15 years ago, and they did a big conversion rate project, and they were paying, I think they were paying about 10,000 a month for the for it, and they did all this split test and changed the website, and it was fantastic, and all this yeah. conversion rate went up, and then they redid the site, and they they didn't take any of those split test learnings to the new site. Yeah. And they obviously, they went to the new design agency and they said, let's have a new site. And the design agency said, oh, we know how to make sales and we know how to do it. But they didn't communicate all that was lost. Say, so, well, forgot all the split tests. Yeah. It's like, had you given that? And, and yeah. it's, it fascinates me how people spend money, yeah. they learn things, and then they forget them. It's like, so, you know, if yeah. you take one thing from this podcast, it's like, what, what did you do in the past that worked that you've stopped doing? I bet you this. I bet you. Yeah. I bet you there's lots of things. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ian. Indeed. Thank you, Mark. Have a nice. Uh, have a nice evening. Nice, nice chat. Chat and. Uh, yeah, you too. Get back to your twenty-nine degrees Celsius. Yeah. It's good. Good cold's good for you. I'll go put my uh, electric cold, blanket have on. A cold plunge. Have a cold shower. Do a Wim Hof. Yeah, it's Wim exactly. Hof breathing session. I understand that. How is it? How is it on in what you know? One demographic of society says that cold therapy is very good, and then another demographic says if you go into the cold, you're going to die. I think it's the you only you, you know? you're only going for very long. You're not you're not going in for ages. Um, you get used to it. I think it's kind of like it's like a little <laughs> bit of poison, isn't it? A little bit of poison makes you stronger. So, well, apparently it's very effective. Yeah. But I like yeah. sauna myself. I like. I well, like we'll heat. see. Um, Hot and cold. Yeah, I do as well. I can't cold. stand cold showers. I absolutely detest it. I want hot, nice, warm, warm yeah. shower. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Who wants a cold shower? All right. See you next week. Cheers. Cheerio. Bye.